Welcome to the Ballerverse Podcast. Happy New Year's to all of our listeners. Welcome to the 2021 episode number one. We are here for the Divisional Round Weekend, and we have a lot in store for today's episode. Alishan, take it away. Well, first off, before we even get into any of that, I want us to introduce our new broadcast member, Raheem the Dream Merchant. Welcome, Raheem. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, Raheem has an extensive background in um, sports. Uh, He's been a huge fan. He's been a part of um, a few different websites writing articles for them um, in terms of uh, sports, in terms of like NBA, uh, NFL, MLB, I think even soccer as well. And uh, in addition, um, he did major in journalism, so it definitely helps out with a good background like that. So welcome aboard, Raheem. Yes, thanks. Thank you once again. There. All right, guys, and to get right into it, first, we're going to be recapping everything that's been happening in the sports world, all the big news that's been happening, followed by a recap of a super wild card weekend of football. Afterwards, we'll be doing the NFL coaching carousel. We'll be talking about who got released and who's gotten signed. Uh, we'll also be talking about all the NFL honor awards and mentions and lastly we'll be talking about our predictions for the elite eight divisional round nfl games so i said if you want to get us right into it yes sir yes sir so big news items from this week i'm going to start off with monday night's football game and this is not monday night nfl football this is monday night college football you know what that means the national championship game Raheem, me and you were watching that game together. What'd you think? Well, for one, I, I don't think Justin Fields was uh, was ready to be out there. You know, he didn't look like the the Fields that we all expected him to be that game. It it was good for the most part. You know, the, at least up until about five minutes left of the first half. Yeah, After I think that, it was, I think it was what twenty one seventeen. Yeah, I think in the first half, and then all of a sudden. Alabama just decided to turn up and Devontae Smith took over the game and Najee Harris helped him out. And sooner or later it was 50 to 24. And yeah, let's not, let's not forget about Waddle waddling out there all night too. <laughs> I don't know why Waddle was waddling out there. It was uh, he has an NFL draft to prepare for. I don't know why he was playing in a, in a national championship game when his team was up by that much. Um, once again, Alabama won 52 to uh, 24. Um, they stomped uh ohio state alishan there's some big news coming from the nba what you got for us yes sir so we're talking about the four-way deal and man what a trade that we had uh we're talking about harden james harden coming from houston and now making his way with kevin durant and kyrie irving in the brooklyn nets but that's not all that all happened Houston, in return, got Rondi Ancuroks, Dante Exum, Victor Oladipo, four first-round picks, and four first-round pick swaps. So Houston is getting themselves into the bag. Cleveland was also part of this trade, and they got Torian Prince and Jared Allen. And then the Indiana Pacers were also part of the trade, where they got Karis LeVert and a future-round pick. I believe it was a second-round pick, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, crazy four-way trade. So, what do you guys think? Um, I mean, honestly, I think um, 
I'd have to see how Harden and uh, Kyrie and uh, Kevin Durant play well together. They did trade away their entire bench, so I don't know um, how much depth they're going to have when it comes to playoff time. Um, I, I do assume that, you know, the big three will be taking up a bunch of the minutes, um, but you can only, you know, maintain that for so long. Um, let's see how it works out. I don't even know if Harden and Durant are going to play well together. I know that Harden and Westbrook didn't play too well together, so we can see how this one works out. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people kind of look at Harden's days at OKC when it was Westbrook and Durant. And what, what people don't realize is that Harden was kind of the sixth man. He wasn't really a, a star at that time. So he didn't really have that chemistry with Durant or even with Westbrook, right? Like we saw last year how it impacted Houston. And yeah, cool, they made a playoff run, but they weren't really in sync, right? And, and I think the thing that kind of surprises me here is the assistant head coach under Steve Nash is actually Mike D'Antoni, who was oh, wow, yeah. the Houston, who was the Houston coach last year as well. So I guess that that might actually be a bit of a benefit for James Harden. But you know, like like I said, how you had how you said there, there's no there's no real depth, right? I mean, you have your starting five that you, you probably can go like eight deep and, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not much. I believe uh, one of the biggest gains out of this trade was for Houston. Uh, Raphael Stone, he literally set his team up for a big success. You're talking about in total eight first round picks. You're literally setting your team up for such improvement for guys like Mikey Williams, for guys like uh, Kate Cunningham, for all the all these young guys that are coming from college and they're going to make their way into the NBA. Hey, some from the G League, man. <laughs> and, so, and especially some from the G League, I like. So I'm, I'm literally thinking, and even from international. Let's not, let's not forget about that. Um, you know, you had guys like Lamella Ball. I, I consider him international over college. Literally doing his thing in Lithuania and then in the uh, big baller brand leagues, and how he's been doing his thing. So they've literally set themselves up for success in the future. Right, 100. Um, I think, um, I think Houston's in full rebuild mode. I think um, I think you know getting this the pieces ready for the future will definitely put them in a good position to be legitimate contenders for a very long term versus um, you know what they were with with Harden at the helm. Yeah, it was definitely a, a, a time for a new change of face there. Uh, another thing to kind of talk about with the trade is uh, Victor Oladipo. Uh, there have been sources saying that he actually wants to play in Miami, so. That'll that'll be hey, interesting. My, if Miami out. has some draft picks to give up, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right, Houston, right. Houston can keep adding up. <laughs> I personally don't mind if they try to trade for Tyler Hero. Personally, Tyler Hero is an emerging star. Last year, he proved that to be. I feel like he was runner-up from Ja Morant last year um, in terms of Rookie of the Year. He literally yeah. proved to everybody the type of player that he is. And I think that if he were to be by himself, as a sole player in Houston, I feel like that would benefit both Miami and Houston as my as Houston would have a star in Tyler Hero because they don't see that with Victor Oladipo. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, we'll see how we'll see how um, the the nah, sorry, we'll see how the Brooklyn Nets uh, play out. And how things play out for Houston, and um, maybe if you know they swing a deal for Miami can swing a deal for Oladipo, Oladipo 
Uh, I know the Bradley Beal is also on their radar as well. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, but with that, let's get into the recap of the NFL's super wild card weekend. So for those that are unfamiliar, the wild card weekend usually used to have only uh, four games, right? And that's because there was only six playoff teams from each conference allowed. Uh, this year, they expanded it by one team each, and only the first, the number one seed got the bye. So this year, we had a total of six games, so a triple header on Saturday and Sunday. If you're a fan of football, especially NFL playoff football, it was an absolute treat. From 1 p.m. to 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock at night, all you were doing were watching football, was watching football, and it was beautiful. It was a beautiful thing. Uh, I enjoyed it personally. Uh, every game was very competitive for the most part. Um, and we'll just do a quick recap of, uh, of the games uh, that we had. So um, I'll start off with the Saturday games. The first game was the Colts and the Bills. Um, the Bills won the game 27 to 24. It was a closely contested game. There were some controversial calls towards the Colts. Um, and the Colts definitely had an opportunity to win the game in the end, but they fell short. And Buffalo got their first playoff win in over 25 years. So congrats to the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen and company, 324 yards, two touchdowns, Stefan Diggs turning up again, over 100 yards receiving and a touchdown. Um, and let's not forget the, the wonderful job that that defense has done. And, you know, Coach Sean McDermott, definitely all props to him as well. Um, and let's move on to the uh, Rams and the Seahawks. The Rams beat the Seahawks their divisional rivals, 30 to 20. Russell Wilson, the once was a MVP leader, now just doesn't seem like, you know, seem like that caliber of a quarterback anymore. I mean, he struggled over the last few games and the Rams defense just made him look like, you know, he's he's a nobody. That defense is definitely scary. Um, offensively, Jared Goff played through a tough thumb injury. Um, kudos to him and Cam Akers, the running back, really helped them win the game um, on the ground with over 100 rushing yards and um, a touchdown as well. Overall, great game for the Rams and the Seahawks. Then uh, the final game from Saturday was the uh, Buccaneers at the Washington football team. Uh, the Buccaneers won that game 31 to 23. Uh, Brady outdueled a, what was it, like a practice squad quarterback, Taylor Heineke. And I mean, I'm not saying practice squad to say or demean him because he actually turned up that game. Uh, Heineke actually, you know, put up over 200 yards and a couple scores. Uh, and he kept it a close game with the GOAT Tom Brady and all the weapons we know that, the, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense has. Um, definitely a cause for concern for Tampa Bay because Alex Smith, had he been in that game, who knows how that game would have turned out. Um, and I think uh, definitely Tom Brady the oldest quarterback to throw a touchdown pass in a playoff game. Great, great uh, resolve from him. So from Saturday's games, guys, what are your biggest takeaways? I think uh, one of the biggest takeaways, in my opinion, was I think the Washington National Football Team, we had criticized this team since the very beginning. And this team, along with three other NFC East teams, were struggling. But this team, I feel like, has finally found their quarterback that they can rely on for the next few years. Uh, Taylor Heineke, literally 306 passing yards, uh, one touchdown, only through one interception. 
Uh, he rushed for six rushing attempts for 46 yards and a rushing score. This mm-hmm. is probably one of the most mobile quarterbacks that Washington has had that has stayed consistent um, other than RG3 from a long time ago. And this is, I'm talking about RG3's first year. I'm not even talking about RG3 going into the future, but RG3's first year in his rookie year when he actually did decent. So I feel like personally, Taylor Heineke is going to be a question for Ron Vera and the rest of the Washington national football team management staff. Do you stick with this guy as your quarterback or do you move on? And, you know, you continue to practice, you continue to find somebody in free agency, maybe a Carson Wentz, who knows? Yeah, yeah, definitely agree. I mean, Heineke definitely showed up. Uh, he, he actually does have kind of a, a, a relationship with, Rivera from his Carolina days as well. Uh, but, you know, just, just kind of looking at that game itself, like you know, 31 to 23 with a quarterback like Heineken that none of us have really ever heard of. And, you know, just the way that they kind of play, like it, it does raise questions for, uh, for the Buccaneers there going into their matchup uh, next week uh, as well. So it, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Buccaneers there and kind of with the, the, the Washington football team as well. Another thing is kind of just looking back at uh, looking back at the Seahawks game and just watching in the kind of in the very beginning how frustrated a DK Metcalf was getting uh, and not being able to get the ball. Just he was just him being frustrated and obviously Wilson, Wilson actually looked like Jared Goff out there. And, and uh, for, for those who have been yeah, keeping I, up. I didn't, I didn't know who had the broken thumb. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, and, and for those who actually watched the Rams, I mean, like, the beginning of the game, Goff wasn't even playing. He was actually the backup to the starter who started the last game of the season. But the starter ended up going out. I forgot his name. That's how much he actually started. But he, you know, he ended Walford. up. I think that was right. his last name. Yeah, Walford, I think, was the last name. But he actually started the game and got knocked out. So then golf had to step in. And ironically enough, the backup quarterback after golf, if he would have got hurt, would have been a punter. So <laughs> that would have been interesting to see. But they did also they did also pick up Blake Bortles back. So it would have been interesting yeah. to see if that did happen. But yeah, those are definitely the, the two takeaways. And, uh, and and another thing with the Colts there is, is this was this the last game that we're going to see of Philip Rivers though? Yeah, I mean, I think that was my biggest takeaway from uh, from the Saturday games is did we did we see the last um, you know the last gas from Philip Rivers? Once again, one of the most decorated quarterbacks in the National Football League over the past almost what fifteen years, I'd say since two thousand five. Um, He's been a beast, and sadly, he hasn't won a Super Bowl. He hasn't actually won many playoff games. That's for, as a matter of fact. Um, and you know what? I do see. You know, there's so much more talent coming up in the NFL. Um, there are quarterback needy teams that I think could use Philip Rivers for a year or two. Um, I think he could definitely stay in Indianapolis. It seems to fit the offense really well. Um, but yeah, I think I think that was one of the biggest takeaways. And I think I think another big takeaway for me was, you know, we had all this talk about um, the Buffalo Bills, you know, building up their um, their team, their offense, and, and not being able to perform in the playoffs. Right? The Buffalo Bills are cursed in the playoffs. They can't win. They can't win. Well, they just won, and finally, Josh Allen, you know, is the one to deliver the first Buffalo Bills playoff victory since what Jim Kelly did, probably years ago. Um, and I think that was a big takeaway for me on Saturday. Awesome. 
All right, so let me get into the Sunday matchups then. So Sunday's matchups started off with Lamar Jackson and Baltimore Ravens taking on the Tennessee Titans. And what happened to Lee Sean? I'll tell you, man. This was a pretty defensive game, to be honest. I, I expected an mm-hmm. offensive explosion, but both defenses really showed up. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens won 20 to 13. Um, at the beginning of the game, definitely thought that the Tennessee Titans defense had stumped Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore offense again and thought that, oh man, you know, this was going to be a repeat of last year. But nope, Lamar Jackson turned up, ran for almost a 40 plus yard touchdown, unbelievable scramble. Um, took the lead and never gave it back. Uh, unbelievable game from him. He had 180 passing yards, 130, almost 140 rushing yards, um, had a rushing touchdown as well. Um, amazing game from Lamar Jackson, but even more so amazing was the Baltimore defense holding Derrick Henry to only 40 rushing yards. Unbelievable game. Um, it was a great, uh, it was a great victory for Baltimore, and they'll be taking on the uh i believe they're taking on the buffalo bills next week right so they'll be headed there um game two was chicago bears at the new orleans saints and by no surprise here um the new orleans saints just destroyed the uh the chicago bears in front of a national audience plus the nickelodeon audience i mean come on you got to give those kids at least a good game to watch it was nice seeing the slime come up when Michael Thomas scored a touchdown in the end zone and SpongeBob's face pop up. I mean, I don't know about the rest of you two. I was watching the game on Nickelodeon because I'm like, dude, I I, I grew up watching Nickelodeon. Look, my one takeaway from it was my one takeaway, honestly, from that whole Nickelodeon thing was how Cordell Patterson dropped the F-bomb and then caught it on Nickelodeon. I can't believe that happened, man. You know, I, I cannot before, believe that happened. Before this game, I was just watching all these like different TikTok videos of like people, um, of like different times where the NFL players have dropped f bombs, and they're like people are just joking around saying, "Oh, this is what they're about to see on Nickelodeon," and it was just hilarious to actually see that as well. Um, definitely, Cordell Patterson is going to get fined, um, and I don't know if the NFL is going to be playing on Nickelodeon anytime soon again. <laughs> but uh, it was uh, it was definitely. Uh, it was more uh, entertaining to watch if you were watching on Nick, but the game was, it, it was basically right. 21-3. I mean, the last touchdown was just a mercy rule touchdown, to be honest, uh, for Jimmy Graham. But hey, Jimmy Graham got to catch a touchdown against his old team. And even though Mitchell Trubisky may have not won the game, he won the Nickelodeon MVP. And that's what matters because even when you're a loser, you're a winner on Nickelodeon. Um, and then for our main event, the Sunday night football game, um this game was an absolute onslaught by the cleveland browns the score was 28 to 0 at the end of the first quarter um and that a lot of it is on big ben i mean big ben well obviously i'm not going to give him i'm not going to give him crap for the fumbled snap on the first play that person whoever was snapping the ball should should have known better but that snap went over his head defensive touchdown right after that interception you know browns down drive down the field another touchdown I think there was another interception thrown again in the first quarter and, you know, the Browns are up 28, nothing. Um, Ben Roethlisberger threw four interceptions in this game. And at halftime, they were down 35 to 10. 
Um, he did come back, throw for 500 yards, four touchdowns, but this game was beyond over at that point. Nick Chubb continued to be an absolute force. And looks like uh, Juju Smith-Schuster won't be dancing on any, any more logos for the rest of the season. He can Corvette, Corvette, hop in a jet out of the NFL playoffs and back home. So that's the Sunday games. What are your, what are your guys' biggest takeaways from the Sunday games? You mean Juju can't drop it on the beat? Oh, man, I'm going to miss that. But uh, you know, there's no juju's beat anymore. Yeah, you know, well, I mean, it, it's okay. I'm still, I still got a sour taste from from last year's fantasy team, anyways. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, you know, uh, my biggest takeaway here, and just just watching Alishad's face when we're talking about this this Ravens game, he had the biggest smile on his face just talking about this game, and it, it was it, it's surprisingly enough. Like I'm not sure if you guys said uh, if you guys are aware of this, but this is the first game, and and. First off, the Ravens were the last team to come back from a 10-plus deficit and win a game. And this is the first time they've done that since, I believe, 2018. They haven't won a comeback game with more than 10 points when they've been down more than 10 points. And they did that in this game. So, yeah, in the beginning when they were down 10-0, it did look a little scary until Lamar did Lamar things and just went off with a 48-yard rushing touchdown and just changed the whole pace of the game at that point. I mean, it just kind of the Tennessee was just kind of out of it at that point. Then uh, going to the going to that Saints game. I mean, like I said, you said I Nick, Nickelodeon. I also watched it on Nick. I <laughs> I, 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 I switched. I, Yo, I think it was a once in a lifetime opportunity. You don't right. get things like that again. <laughs> I, I think I switched it back to CBS just to kind of see what was going on. I was like, no, I'm gonna go back to Nick. Just you know, it's, it's fun. And like it, it's also fun because like they're they're kind of explaining the rules for those who don't actually know it. They can actually learn a little bit of the rules and the penalties and all of that as well. So, so they did a really good job on that game and yay Trubisky got the MVP for, you know, for Nickelodeon for doing nothing. (laughs) Right. Uh, It would have been nice to actually see. It's like, it's like the actual Nickelodeon kids choice awards where people win (laughs) awards for absolutely zero. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It would have been nice to actually see uh, coach Peyton actually get slimed. Like, like, in real life, oh, that would that would have been nice if he actually, yeah. you know, stuck to his word and did that. I did uh, like the slime animations in the end zone. Were, those were nice. Right. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and then you know, just just going to that Browns game. I mean, just jumping in there real quick, like twenty eight nothing in the first quarter. Like honestly, I I turned the game off. At, like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, I was done after halftime, dude. <laughs> I, I I turned it off at the end of the first. I mean, it was like okay, like I, I tuned I tuned back in toward you know, kind of looked at the score and tuned back in towards the end, but then been big been through that fourth pick, and I'm like, yep, this is it. That it's a wrap. You know, we're gonna see we're gonna see the Browns next week, and and uh, they're actually playing the Chiefs, so that'll be an exciting game. And all week I've been seeing stats of Oklahoma and Texas A and M when. Mahomes and May- Mayfield faced each other, talking about 500 plus yards each, five touchdowns each, just statistics, just breaking statistics. Like in their college days, it was like a 72 to 66 score. Obviously, I'm not expecting it to be that high of a score here, but it's definitely going to be one of those offensive games, I think. I think, uh, yeah, for, uh, for me personally, um, I'm just going to say it straight up. Ravens have their sweet revenge. Look, when the Titans go on your logo and they disrespect your logo, and when Marcus Peters caught that interception from Ryan Tannehill, that was literally sweet revenge. 
for the Ravens, stomping the yard on the logo. Lamar Jackson doing his thing, 136 yards of rushing. And uh, honestly, I feel like the Ravens defense had stepped up a lot. Guys like Pernell McPhee, uh, Matthew Judon, uh, Marlon Humphrey, Jimmy Smith, Marcus Peters, all these guys literally have been stepping up their game. Patrick Queen, Malik Harrison, uh, two new guys that came from the draft. I'm, I'm literally super confident that this team is literally going to be giving a showdown to the Buffalo Bills. It's going to be a crazy matchup this upcoming week. So I'm excited for my boys. I'm so happy that they did well. Uh, that was my biggest takeaway from that game. Also, and the crazy thing that Lamar said in his interview was that literally it wasn't because of him. It's the whole team. Like they, he, they were talking about Lamar Jackson and Derrick Henry. And he knew that's what it was about. But his mentality, he's like, I can't be about that. It has to be again. Ravens and Titans. It can't be Lamar Jackson versus Derrick Henry. Like that's not that's not what makes the NFL team. It's what makes the team like the team itself. It's not the player that makes the team. Right? There's no I in team. The most infamous saying that there is. Uh, that was my biggest takeaway for the Ravens game. Uh, Saints game. I mean, there's nothing really to say. I feel like uh, Deontay Harris and Michael Thomas were two big step ups in their receiving games. Uh, Michael Thomas, you know, scoring a touchdown. Uh, on a really, really phenomenal play, if I may add. Um, I believe it was an inside slant, too. Uh, so slant I think boy. Michael <laughs> and I, I think with Michael Thomas, he's he was slowly building his game back up. Like, a lot – like, he was yeah, very quiet. 100%. Like, I, I think the last few games, he was literally stepping his game back up. But with Drew Brees coming back and him recovering from his high ankle, uh, high ankle sprain mm-hmm. and then Alvin Kamara also mixing in with that, like, mix – I, I think literally the Saints have finally found their groove back. And I feel like with their matchup coming up against the Buccaneers, it's going to be a super competitive matchup, especially Drew Brees and Tom Brady being like the first ever game with two 40 plus year old quarterbacks in a playoff game. So it's going to be pretty exciting to see how the Saints really turn up. And then lastly, the Browns game, this is really nothing much to say. Baker Mayfield was doing his thing. Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, Jarvis Landry, all these guys are doing their thing. Even the defense, there were three random de- defenders who caught picks, or sorry, four, who caught picks from Ben Roethlisberger. It wasn't just one person doing it. It was four of them that were killing it. Even like, it wasn't the Miles Garrett, Garrett show. No, it was the Browns defense show. Like, I look, even Big Ben threw for over 500 yards, Juju, and Deontay Johnson both had over 100 yards receiving. That doesn't matter. At the end of the day, the Browns got you. The Browns stomped at you. And I'm happy for them. From all that they have taken crap from, literally going with a winless season in one of the seasons. I forgot what year it was that they had a winless season. But the fact that they overcome that like advers- like that controversy and like literally overcame all of that nonsense to now – being in the elite eight against the Kansas city chiefs is a big accomplishment for Baker Mayfield and for the rest of the Browns organization. So those are my three takeaways. Yeah. I think my biggest takeaway from uh, the Sunday games is defense reigned supreme in all the games. Um, The Ravens defense did an outstanding job stopping Derrick Henry with him rushing for only 40 yards. It was an outstanding game from them. The new Orleans saints virtually allowed the, Chicago Bears to do nothing the entire game. They, I mean, they basically had three points the entire game up until the end where they just gave them a mercy touchdown. That Saints defense is is brutal, and it's going to be – It's a these are championship defenses. Uh, and then the Browns game, everyone's talked about their offense, but their defense is what really stepped up in the first half. I know they gave up 37 points afterwards, but that was – you know, it was – this game was over by then, right? 
Um, the defense 35 to 10 in the first half, huge, huge swing, four picks. They pressured big Ben all day long. It was a good game um, for the defense as well. So I, for me, it's just the defense is reigning supreme and we'll see how that carries over into next week with more high powered offenses getting involved with um, uh, the saints having to play Tom Brady and um, the Browns having to pay play the Kansas city chiefs. So definitely want to see how these defenses hold up next week. And even Baltimore is going to go up against a higher powered offense with the Buffalo bills. Um, and yeah, so let's not forget your Packers. And uh, Oh I, yeah. I mean, the Rams are going to go up against the number one offense in the league uh, and, and the, uh, the best quarterback in the league, Aaron Rodgers. So let's uh, let's see how that goes as well. So definitely it's going to be a big defensive um it was a big defensive push on Sunday. Even the other uh, Saturday games, there was a there was a bit of a defensive push. Um, but let's see how this week's games goes. Um, with that, let's just go to a short break, and then we'll be back with the NFL coaching carousel and a couple picks for the NFL honors. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Ballerverse podcast, NFL divisional round special. We are here in the new year, 2021 with a bang. There's a lot of coaches that have been fired this year and some coaching jobs are still available. So without further ado, let's get started. Uh, I'm going to report a couple of coaching jobs that have been the hot ticket items for this year. Um, This belongs to the first round and second round pick holders currently. Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars have agreed to a deal with Urban Meyer to be their head coach. And this just came in a few minutes ago where um, the New York Jets have officially signed Robert Sala, the 49ers defensive coordinator, to their head coaching position. Uh, Raheem, there are some other available uh, coaching jobs in the league. What uh, have you seen? Yeah, obviously, you know, also with the, with the news there on uh... – uh, Doug uh, Peterson getting fired from Philadelphia. There's also right. a, a couple of names in, in the pot there to replace him uh, as uh, like Kel, uh, Kellen, uh, Kellen Moore and also Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma Sooners head coach um, uh, Clinton uh, or Lincoln, Lincoln Riley. Is also, There's no way Lincoln Riley's leaving. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, we, we think there's no, there's no way he's leaving. Honestly, I don't think he should leave. That is one of the that is he's one of the candidates for that coaching position along with Kellen Moore. So it'll be interesting to see what they do there. It, it seems like it might be more leaning towards Kellen Moore there. Obviously, we're excited to see what uh, what Detroit does. Uh, just looking at it, uh, just you know, just kind of looking here, it looks like Detroit actually has a has a interview with former Jets coach uh, Todd Bowles. So that'll, that'll be interesting to see if that plays out and that's, that's who they decide to go with. And I think Alishan was saying that the Detroit had picked up a new, uh, they, they did get a new GM or, or 
So the Rams are so the Rams coaching uh, and all of, like their staff are literally being moved around by different teams. They're being interviewed. So Lions first off had picked up the Rams director of college scouting, Brad Holmes, uh, to a five year deal as their new GM. So now they're looking into that. And Raheem, I believe you said that they were also picking up a coach as well. Yeah, that was Todd Bowles. I had mentioned that. Todd it, Bowles, looks like, right? it looks like he's going to be interviewing here with them on, on, on Friday. So. So, so I think the Lions are definitely uh, looking into uh, a big rebuild, especially starting from the top of the food chain and all the way to the bottom. Um, another one that's also pretty big is that Broncos had signed former Vikings assistant general manager, George Patton. And now they're going to be now he's going to be their official new general manager for that organization. So Denver is definitely getting a new direction, especially with Drew Locke as their potential quarterback for the upcoming years into the future. Yeah. Um, I mean, in terms of GM jobs, the biggest hot ticket GM job, the Jaguars GM position is still available. Uh, I wonder if they're still taking applicants. Um, <laughs> hey, I, mean, I, 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 I don't mind. I have, I have also, about... It's a Pakistani guy that owns the team, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, bro. Hit, hit, hit me up, bro. You Pakistani, I'm Pakistani. He's an engineer. I'm an engineer. Let's get this going, man. <laughs> nah, all jokes aside. Uh I, th- I think I think my 20 years of Madden franchise board experience <laughs> will prove very valuable at that position. Um, no, the uh, I, I think that's one of the biggest hot ticket items. But um, biggest uh, the biggest name on the market is definitely Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieni. Uh, he's interviewed with almost I think six of the teams already. Um, obviously, two, the two teams didn't sign him. I think they're talking a lot about the Atlanta Falcons being a favorite to land Eric Bieniemy. And speaking of the Falcons, their head coach Dan Quinn has signed up with the Dallas Cowboys to be their defensive coordinator. So we've had a lot of shuffling around and movement so far in the league. Um, Atlanta can also retain Raheem Morris, and um, he can still be their head coach next year. So let's see what they um, decide to do with that. Yeah, yeah, you definitely have other coaches on the market as well. Uh, like if, like Matt Patricia, is he is he going to get another chance at being a head coach, or is he going to get a, a defensive coordinator job somewhere? Yeah, Bill um, O'Brien. Yeah, <laughs> Bill, exactly, exactly. Bill O'Brien's there. Uh, uh, biggest one, Doug Peterson. Where is he going right, to go? <laughs> exactly, Doug Peterson, and then even even uh, Anthony uh, uh, Anthony Lynn. Anthony Lynn, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah um, that's true. I, I mean, feel like he got the real, the, the kind of the, the oddball out there and kind of how the team was structured. There. Yeah. I mean, Anthony Lynn, he did the best he could, but the team really wasn't structured to support him that much. Yeah. I don't think he's going to land a head coaching job anywhere. I think he'll definitely go back to being a coordinator again before he gets to be a uh, NFL head coach. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, some breaking news. Sorry. I just got this. I just randomly got a random notification out of it. Houston Texans are requesting an interview from Rams defensive coordinator. I mean, uh, I would too. That defense is stacked, man. So I, I, I don't know, man. As a, you got the best corner and the best defensive lineman in the game. How are you supposed yeah. to lose? I mean, Alicia, you did kind of mention it that all the Rams, like front office people, are kind of shuffling all over the NFL, right? I yeah. It's just that it's the it's the the uh, the the McVay uh, effect that's kind of running through the NFL now. Yeah. No, definitely. I think um, I think the the Rams have a lot of talent in terms of the coaches, and I think they've also the Sean McVay and um, the Kyle Kyle Shanahan coaching tree is very very strong. Not as strong as the Andy Reid coaching tree, clearly, right. but <laughs> <laughs> it'll get there one day. 
Hey, one hey, don't don't forget Andy Reid was once a part of the uh the Green Bay Packers Mike Holmgren coaching tree. That that coaching tree had a lot of future head NFL head coaches. Um so definitely, you know, Andy Reid came from there. <laughs> but um yeah, any other big any other big ticket names that you guys have heard any buzz around this week? Nah, all right. Awesome. So if not, um, that's what we've so far heard from the NFL coaching carousel. We'll stay updated on our Instagram channel. Um, if we see anything, we'll try to announce it on there. We'll either go live or we'll post a, a story just to, you know, get it out there, but we'll, we'll, we'll stay tuned to see any big announcements that come up. Um, so with that, uh, I want to get into, so what we're going to do is we're only three weeks away from the Super Bowl or four weeks away from the Super Bowl. Oh, wait, three weeks, right? Yeah, three weeks away three from weeks. the Super Bowl. We're three weeks. Um, what we want to do is the NFL Honors is right before the, the night before the Super Bowl. So uh, we're going to take – we're going to do an episode every week, right? We're not going to have longer episodes like we were in the past. And for the next three weeks, at least, what we're going to do is have a um, – NFL award prediction from each of us. So this week we're going to do predictions on the NFL rookie of the year for offense and defensive. Um, and then also the comeback player of the year. And then next week we'll do another three awards and the final week we'll debate the MVP if there is a debate left in that discussion. But for this week, um, let's start off with the NFL offensive rookie of the year award. Uh, Raheem, who do you have? Yeah. You know, going just, just going through the whole season there, you know, if it, if it was my fantasy team, I would have said it was James Robinson because I had him in all four of my leagues. But what a beast. Yeah, yeah. He, he was, you know, for, to, to be undrafted and, and do what he did this year for, for the Jacksonville Jaguars was definitely, you know, definitely earned his spot there. But I am going to go with, uh, with Justin Herbert here. He, he came out. He, he didn't even start the season. He maybe, I think, week two, maybe for sure. Week I, think three. We, I think halfway through week two. Yeah, I think halfway through over. week two, he took over the job, and he, and he looked great every, every game. I mean, it's, he, he threw the most touchdowns by a rookie, beating, beating Baker Mayfield's uh, record. He, he ended the season with just 31, touch, uh, 31 passing touchdowns and over 4,000 uh, 4, passing yards, 4,336 passing yards there. So for him to do that as a rookie uh, with such, uh, you know, and the, the Chargers have, have a, you know, they have the pieces around them there, but he actually brought other guys' names out there as well, right? Like like uh, the, the Guyton guy and then with um, just all these other receivers and the running game wasn't there with Eckler going down and he was still able to somewhat bring the team, you know, bring them wins. They were in a lot of close wins there. And, you know, like, like we talked about the coaches, right? Anthony Lynn didn't really pan out. I'm interested to see in what coach they do decide to bring in here and to see what Herbert does for the rest of his career because that was a good pick for them there. And he, he deserves to have that award this year. Yeah, I have to say uh, Justin Herbert as a definite favorite. I got to give a lot of props to guys like Chase Claypool, uh, James Robinson, Jonathan Taylor, an emerging running back for the Indianapolis Colts organization, and especially one guy, Justin Jefferson, who got drafted number 22 overall into that Minnesota Vikings offense. And a lot of people were questioning how he would play a big factor into that offense, especially with the departure of Stephon Diggs going into Buffalo Bills with also an emerging season himself. So the fact that you have 88 receptions, 1,400 yards, and seven touchdowns, uh, 
you know, you definitely put up one crazy season, but I just believe it, it just doesn't compare to the amount of impact that Justin Herbert had on that Los Angeles Chargers organization. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with both of you. I thought that Justin Jefferson had an amazing rookie year, um, putting up outstanding numbers. And definitely, I think he was rated the number, I think it was like, the, well, he was top, he was rated top five by pro football focus uh, amongst the receivers by the end of the season. Um, he's an incredible athlete, um, definitely was a huge steal by the Minnesota Vikings in the draft. Um, and I think he's got a huge, you know, bright future ahead of him. Maybe if he can get somebody else besides Kirk Cousins to throw the ball to him, um, he can get even better. But <laughs> I, will say, I will say, though, that uh, crazy things that he did pass Randy Moss and Anquan Bolden on uh, the most rookie yardage. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he, that, that's he a really big record. accomplishment. He did set that record. Yeah, that's correct. Um, uh, another another shout out definitely to Jonathan Taylor and James Robinson as well. Both the running backs, outstanding yards, both rushed for over a thousand yards this season. Amazing. Um, anytime a running back does that, um, it's as a rookie, it's definitely um, big commendable thing. Um, and I think definitely Jonathan Taylor was taking over the Indianapolis Colts offense. Um, and I think Philip Rivers is very sim- is very used to having good running backs. I know Raheem and I were talking about it earlier this week, where Rivers has had um, solid running backs his whole career. Um, and Justin Herbert, you I mean you guys said it right. He has he set the uh, the touchdown record for a rookie quarterback at thirty one, um, only through ten picks, sixty seven percent completion percentage. You know, forty three hundred yards, almost a hundred, almost close to a hundred quarterback rating. Um, that's outstanding numbers for a rookie. I mean, I think that's the best rookie season for any quarterback so far. So I think, uh, especially playing on a team that struggled so much and didn't have as much talent around him, definitely all props to him. And I think he's definitely deserving of the offensive player of the year award. We can all agree there. Um, okay. So let's do defensive rookie of the year award. Um, uh, Alishan, who you got? Uh, I mean, it's, it's a definite clear winner. Chase Young. Um, I mean, look, I, I give props to guys like Jeremy Chin. Um, he literally killed it as safety. Antoine Winfield Jr., I give him props as well. But no one just compares to Chase Young. Chase Young literally had such a stellar season, uh, literally 44 tackles, seven and a half sacks, four forced fumbles with the touchdown, um, was drafted number two and literally lived up to his hype um, of being one of the best defensive ends in the entire game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I can definitely second that there. You know, just, you know, like, like Alishan said, you know, you, know, you have Jeremy Chen and then obviously uh, Winfield as well. But Chase Young, he, he did leave, it, leave an impact there on that defense. Uh, I think it's, you know, e- even though the Washington football team, seven and nine, they won their division, they made a playoff game. I, I think he was part of the reasons why they were able to kind of win some of those games and be in some of those games to be in the position they are. And he's going to be a big, uh, a, a big center centerpiece of that of that defense. And they just need to continue to build around him, and that defense will get strong because they actually, you know, you, you held, you, you held your own there against against uh, against Brady. Like I know he said he wanted to go in and he want he you know after after they beat the Eagles in Week 17, he says I want Tom, I want Tom, I want Tom. He didn't really get his chance to have Tom, but. He's going to have many, many years of being able to get other great quarterbacks. If not Tom, maybe other quarterbacks like Breeze, Rodgers, or who else for 
the next uh, couple of seasons there as well. Yeah, I think you hit it on the nail right there. I think the Washington football team got a gem out of Chase Young. He's looking like he's going to be a superstar of the future, right? Similar to how we thought about Jadavion Clowney, but actually, you know, Chase Young has definitely produced well beyond um, what we had anticipated, right? In his rookie season, about seven and a half sacks on that stacked defensive line. Um, outstanding pass rushers all around the board on that defensive line. Um, it's going to be scary to see what the Washington football team defense is going to look like in the future because it's, um, especially with Chase Young coming into form his second year, it's going to be even more scarier. But, you know, you can't talk enough about the amount of heart this kid shows. He goes out there and plays the game uh, with such passion and enthusiasm. Um, and it's just so much fun to watch him um play the game in, at such a high level as well competing with um these pros in his rookie season so definitely i believe chase young 100 percent rookie of the year for defensive rookie of the year um all right let's move on to the comeback player of the year award um i think we i don't know if we're all in agreement but i originally thought that it would go to ben roethlisberger he has had an outstanding year by far, but the struggle, the injuries, the devastation that Alex Smith had to face, I don't think any other player on the comeback list had to face. From facing being completely you know, done with football or not even being able to walk again your whole life, in that scary of a situation to not only walking again, but running again and playing football again. Um, Alex Smith played this, this year, and that was the biggest comeback story in NFL history. I'd say (laughs) you, you can't, you don't get an injury like that and come back and end up playing two years later. Um, You know, and honestly it was Alex Smith who really put a lot of the juice into the Washington football team, um, like their actual team, um, especially down the stretch, right? Because they were not they were not doing well. They were only like a two win team, I believe, before he took over and after he took over. You know, they rattled off five um, five wins in the last seven games, I believe. And um, he's just been outstanding when he's been able to stay healthy. I wish we would have seen him play against Tom Brady in that playoff game, but nothing but respect to him from my side. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree there. You know, just going. Just going through the season, kind of watching how the, the season kind of broke down. You know, the the Steelers starting off hot, 11-0, and starting off hot there. Uh, keep in mind that it was Alex Smith that beat Big Ben and the Steelers and stopped them from being undefeated. And from there, the Steelers kind of just dropped, right? So, yeah, I said, you know, just, just looking back at the season and kind of the difference that Alex Smith did make, they started, I believe, 1-5. And Alex Smith came in, and they ended up they ended up having a seven and nine record. He did miss another a couple of games here and there as well because he did get injured again. He it, it was tweaking injuries or whatnot. But when you're when you're an athlete like that, coming back from a huge injury, you're always gonna have that fear of being injured again. And just just him being able to come back and prove that hey, you know, I was told I was never gonna walk again or never gonna be able to play football again, and here I am on a football field playing the game of football again, right? And, you know, we, we talked about it earlier with with uh, the recaps of the football, of the uh, playoffs, uh, the wildcard games. Had he had played, 
maybe it would have been a different result there for the Washington football team. Maybe they might have been able to upset the quote unquote goat and Tom Brady, right? Uh, we don't we don't know what would have happened. It's, it's always going to be what if he played. I mean, even the Washington football team themselves, they cut their first round pick from the year before and Dwayne Haskins because he wasn't producing and they literally gave the team to Alex Smith there at the end of the uh, at the end of the season. Fortunately, he wasn't able to play, so then they had to go to the next man up. But yeah, Alex Smith is he he's definitely got that that uh, that award in the bag there. And I, I couldn't agree with you guys more. Um, I've been a big believer of Alex Smith since the very beginning, and I'm sticking with him. Um, I'm literally looking at his career's like yardage and also just the amount of games he's played. It's crazy because he had a crazy shoulder injury back in 08. Um, with San Francisco and before that he was doing like you know 875 yards 914 yards and then he came back in 2009 and threw for over 2300 yards uh, then you look into his seasons with Kansas City and he threw for literally over 3,000 yards each year and then coming into Washington and then missing a season maybe one or two seasons with literally like the craziest injury and then coming back and throwing for 1500 yards with only six games started. So mm. you're looking at the impact that Alex Smith has since 2005, uh, coming from San Francisco to Kansas City to now Washington National Football Team, definitely deserves the award for Comeback Player of the Year. Yeah, I mean, this is this is kind of a Comeback Player of the Decade award, I would say, yeah. with, just, with just his whole, his whole career itself, right? Like you mentioned his uh, past teams, right, with San Fran, uh, he he ended up getting benched during the the Harbaugh era for uh, the the black quarterback and Kaepernick, right? Yep. And then he went to Kansas City, and then Kansas City drafted the MVP Super Bowl winning um, uh, Patrick uh, Patrick Mahomes. So his next team up there was Washington, and here he is. He's made the, another impact there in Washington. Just and you know you you just gave us the numbers there, right? I mean. In just six games, he had over fifteen hundred yards already. So, definitely, definitely, I, I, this is this is like the, the comeback player of the decade, I believe. Here, yeah, no, hundred percent, definitely agree. Um, with that, we're gonna wrap up our predictions for this week. Um, we're gonna go ahead and take a short break, and then we'll be back with um, the divisional round predictions from our side. So, stay tuned. Welcome back to the Ballerverse podcast. This is our last segment. It is the NFL divisional round playoff predictions. So let's get started. But before we do, before we do, I do have a quick comment to make. Um, Have you guys seen the ages of the quarterbacks in the AFC and the ages of the quarterbacks of the NFC? It's just two very, very different divisions now, or two very different conferences. So look at the AFC. So we have no quarterback in the AFC is older than 25. 
we have Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield at 25, and then Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson at 24. That's crazy. Honestly, I feel pretty bad for my, for our ages because literally they did so much in their age that we couldn't even do at our age now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean if we yeah. had that much skill and talent, I would not be sitting here on a podcast on podcast with you guys. Right. So Yeah, we we, we no would offense. never we would never see Patrick Mahomes money in our lifetime. And this dude's making like more than he, he's probably yeah. making more than us in like a, a game, essentially. So. Yeah, he makes he makes our salary in like two seconds. So right. let's, <laughs> let's uh think about that. But yeah, I mean that's the AFC and the NFC side. You have Aaron Rodgers at thirty seven. Jared Goff's the youngest at twenty six. I mean he doesn't he's really an outlier. But then you have Drew Brees and Tom Brady at forty one and forty three. I mean it's just two very very different um you know division or conferences, right? I mean the AFC you definitely see that shift. Um, where you had Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger fighting for years um, to be the the top seed of the AFC. And even when Andrew Luck was there in Indianapolis for a few years, the Indianapolis Colts were very competitive in the AFC. But now it's a, uh, it's, it's a very different conference. It's all young quarterbacks throughout the entire AFC. Um, and it's, it's, it's really cool to see these young quarterbacks getting chances to play so early and having so much success so early. It's, it's very, very rare to see. And it's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing that we're seeing. Um, but on the flip side, you do have, um, the old, but gold quarterbacks, right? I mean, you're talking about Breeze, Brady and Rogers. These three, are probably, I mean, no offense to the quarterbacks that came before Peyton Manning era, any quarterback that came after before the Peyton Manning era, I'm sorry, unless you're Dan Marino, I don't think you can really be counted with the talent that this pool of quarterback. I mean, honestly, if anybody asks about the greatest quarterbacks of all time, I'm going to be like, Oh, I watched all four of them play. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, Brady breeze, Manning and Rogers, those four are the best quarterbacks I've seen play. I mean, and I didn't get to see, some of the older quarterbacks like Elway and, and Marino and stuff play, but I mean, the records speak and it's, we've enjoyed amazing talent from all four of these guys. And it's great that uh, the, the uh, these three are still carrying the torch from, from that quarterback era. So I just wanted to make that comment before we started with the picks. And since we are starting with uh, the picks, let's go with the Saturday matchup. 4.30 Eastern, the, I almost said St. Louis, <laughs> the LA Rams will be playing the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field, freezing temperatures, possibly snow. What do y'all think? Yeah, just, just being a, being a Rams fan and, and I know how much of a, how much of a cheesehead us it is with, with his uh, Wisconsin and uh, Packers there, Green Bay Packers there, you know, just, it's a great story, the what what the Rams have been since making the cheesehead uh, images there. But uh, just just what what the Rams have been able to do on defense, it's it's definitely going to make it tough for uh, Aaron Rodgers. I think it's you know kind of one one game I kind of looked at earlier for Green Bay. You know they've been dominant for pretty much this whole season. One game I do kind of look at is the Carolina game, how they let Carolina hang around in that game. The way that game went for Green Bay, that cannot happen with this Rams team because they could upset them. Now, I don't want that to happen, and my prediction is that Green Bay is going to to win 
it may not be a blowout. It may not be as close. Like maybe within 10 to 14 points, maybe. But the Ram, uh, the the Rams are going to to give a fight, and it is going to be a uh, it is going to be a Green Bay victory in Lambeau, and the next winner of the next game will come right back to Lambeau. And yeah. Um, I I also got to go with Green Bay. I think one of the biggest questions is going to be the matchup between Devontae Adams versus Jalen Ramsey. Uh, Jalen Ramsey literally gave a hard time to DK Metcalf, and let alone he's going to continue to do the same thing with Devontae Adams. And Devontae Adams, we can all agree, he's probably the best receiver uh, this year, this year, the number one wide receiver. So you're looking at one of the best corners taking on one of the best receivers. I think uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to have to find a way to pretty much get Jalen Ramsey, who I, in my opinion, he's a roach. He's one of those roaches that like, you can never get rid of. He trash talks. He's on you. He's literally a Patrick Beverly of the NFL. He's he's like glue. He'll stick on you like no other. And so he that's has the one. talent to back it up. <laughs> and and he does. I, I I don't disagree with that. I think that's going to be one of the biggest challenges. Another big challenge is going to be the impact of Aaron Donald uh, taking on that offensive line in Green Bay. Uh, how's Aaron Donald going to play? Uh, well, especially with his rib injury that he had uh, during the Seahawks game that took a big toll for that Rams team. Uh, but even like other players from the Rams uh, stepped up and they did their thing. Uh, and I think one of the last things is on the flip side of things, we talk about the Green Bay offense and Packers, uh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Green Bay offense and uh, Los Angeles Rams defense. Let's turn, let's turn to the flip side. How is Jared Goff going to do well against the Packers defense with Jair Alexander? Uh, how's Cooper cup, Robert Woods, how are they going to do well is Cam Akers going to go off like he did against that Seahawks defense? So it's a lot of variables coming in, but I believe Packers are going to take the W. I agree with Raheem by 10 points. Yeah, um, I'm a Packers fan, so you know where my pick's going. I think I think this game will either be a blowout from the Packers or it will be a close game. Um if the Rams win, it's going to be a close win for the Rams. But I think that if the Green Bay Packers win, it's going to be a full-on blowout. Um, here And here's why. I do believe that the Rams defense is good, no doubt. But this Rams defense is coming in pretty injured. Um, you know, Aaron Donald does have a rib injury coming into the game. Um, and, I mean, Jalen Ramsey can talk, talk all the trash he wants. There's other weapons on the team that Aaron Rodgers can turn to anytime. And no offense, but the running game for the Green Bay Packers is a three-headed running attack. We, they have Aaron Jones. Then they have, you know, um, Aaron Jones is our home run hitter. Then we have the ground and pound guy like uh, um, A.J. Dillon. And then we have um, the utility back, which is Jamal Williams. I think the running game is going to be very, very key for the Green Bay Packers. Once again, this is this is a this is a snow game. If uh, most likely what the weather is looking like, this is going to be a cold Lambo snow game, which means that the opposing team will be at a huge disadvantage. Right, the defense will be won't be able to keep their footing. This is the team. This is the practice field that the Packers practice on, so they know how to keep their footing. They know how to run their routes, and I'm not too worried about Devonte Adams. Right, Ramsey is going to have him covered for most of the game. But Devontae is going to break free a few routes. Devontae Adams' whole mantra is he's a route runner. And the biggest difference between any other quarterback, uh, any other receiver in the league versus Jalen Ramsey and Devontae Adams is Devontae has Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball, right? When you have an Aaron Rodgers 
connection, like the one he had with Jordy Nelson or Randall Cobb, that's, you know, it's unbreakable. It doesn't matter who's covering you, when they're covering you, it's, it's going to go. And even more on the other side, the defense has stepped up for the Green Bay Packers over the last five games. Um, they had a very tough start to the season. The run defense has gotten much better, holding even Derrick Henry to under 100 yards when they played him. Um, I think that the run defense does their job. The, pa- uh, the Packers offense just continues to carry on. The only, the only concern I have is with the offensive line for the Green Bay Packers with uh, David Bakhtiari out, who's going to play left tackle. Um, and we'll see how that goes. But I think it's going to be a blowout victory for the Green Bay Packers. Spoken like a true cheese head. Yeah, I'm just speaking facts, bro. <laughs> if they if they play up the Saints in the in the conference rounds, that that that's going to be a close game. Right, we'll, we'll get to that here shortly as well. Yeah. So let's see. All right. So the night game then, Alishan's Baltimore Ravens will be going to Buffalo in another game that's going to be in snow. And this is going to be the first time that Lamar Jackson has ever played a game in snow. So what are your predictions, Alishan? This is going to be interesting just because my fear with Lamar Jackson's offense at the moment, and I'll get to their defense, but their offense at the moment is that you're taking on not a not an easy Buffalo Bills defense. You're looking at your Davius White. You're looking at all these guys that have stepped up on that defense. Lamar Jackson's going to have to be super careful. Buffalo Bills secondary is really scary and they're not going to, they're not going to back down. So Lamar Jackson's going to really have to play smart, especially he's playing in snow for the very first time. Uh, Guys like Gus Edwards, JK Dobbins, they're going to have to step up. Marquise Brown is going to have to literally continue to do what he's been doing. Mark Andrews, same thing. Miles Boykin is going to have to step his game up. Uh, Des Bryant, I don't even know where you've been. I mean, literally, you only had two targets thrown to you, and you couldn't even catch a single ball to save your life. And we see all these videos of you killing it. Um, so we need to see that from you. We need you to turn up. You're literally coming into a playoff game. Um, other than that time with the Cowboys, um, into a divisional round. Yeah, so you guys are. Li- he, he literally didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so literally, you guys are going to need to step up your game. I think defensively, they have their work cut out for them against Josh Allen and a newly signed Devontae Freeman, if I may add. Um, so with the injury of Zach Moss, you have Devin Singletary and Devontae Freeman literally carrying that backload. I don't know if he's going to be playing this week uh, just because of the contract that he just signed. Um, so I think they were talking about whether he would officially be playing or not. That's coming into question from what I've heard. Uh, yeah, but yeah, there's some COVID protocols they have to cross and stuff like that too. Right. Yeah. So, but I mean, aside from that, Cole Beasley, Stefan Diggs, John Brown, uh, Dawson Knox, all of those guys have been key components to Josh Allen. And Josh Allen's legs have been key components to Josh Allen. So literally Pernell McPhee, uh, Jimmy Smith, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Matthew Judon, uh, Patrick Queen, Malik Harrison, all these guys are going to need to step up their game definitely against this Josh Allen offense. So in my opinion, I think the Ravens are going to pull it out by a field goal. And I only say that just because although Josh Allen has that capability of bringing his team all the way to the top, and I'm being biased here, I think the Ravens are going to live up to the hype that they had said they were in the beginning of the year. I think they finally picked up their pace at the very end. And luckily it was enough for them to get into this playoff round anyway. I just think Lamar Jackson can defy all odds. 
Yeah, you know, just just looking at looking at both teams. Um, this this is the first play or the sorry the second game of both of these quarterbacks from last year. Like last year, they both lost their first games. They won their first playoff game ever in their in their short NFL career last week. So they're both coming in. They're both hungry for more. They both want to take it to that next level. Are they going to play Baker? Are they going to play Mahomes? We'll see. Like you know, they're young. They have. We're going to see these guys for another decade, maybe even more, right? Like, just it's definitely, definitely one of those, one of the more intriguing games there. Just, uh, you know, the, the offense, the Bills offense, like, you know, Josh Allen has, he, he literally won me $450 of, in a fantasy league. So I'm going to, I'm going to roll with the, the Bills here. I know it's, 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 it's a toss up for me. You know, it's, it's literally flip a coin, heads or tails decide who, who you're going to pick on that one. Either either team, you know, they both have their strengths on on, on offense. They both have their strengths on defense. I just think with uh, with the weather, the, the weather conditions, I'm, I mean, Josh Allen's from Wyoming. He, he went to Wyoming U. So I don't think the snow is really something that he's used to playing in. But just the atmosphere itself, Bill's Mafia did show up at the last game. Bills Mafia will make a big difference in this uh, in this game here. They're, they're they're hungry. They haven't made the playoffs in twenty something twenty what, 25, 26 years. They got their first win. Or sorry, they made the playoffs, but they haven't gotten their first win in 24, 25 years. They're hungry for more. We 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 saw we saw what Buffalo can do here. They you know just looking at the schedule, they they haven't really they they've only gotten three losses, right? They they had a the hell, the the hell Murray loss against Arizona. They lost to Kansas City, and then they had uh, they had another loss uh, somewhere along the way as well uh, against the early, early on in the in the season there against Tennessee, where Tennessee had crushed them a little bit. Um, and those were the two the two hiccups that they really had. Right, it was back to back. Tennessee beat them. They came in trying to trying to bounce back, and they lost to the the defending champs. Uh, after that, they didn't really lose any other games besides that the Hail Mary play, which that that was a game that they were actually down the whole game and he brought them back. So, you know, when 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 the Bills are down, they're not out. And that's one thing to keep in mind here with with the with the Bills and the offense. Even without uh without Zach Moss, the the running game is kind of it kind of just goes off of uh it goes off of Josh Allen there as well. Yeah, I'm going to have to say it's also a toss-up for me. I think it's just, this is going to come down to um, which defense can make the stop. I think both of these are prolific offenses for sure. Um, but I think weather will play a factor. And typically in weather games, the team with a better rushing attack usually has the advantage. So I will say from my side, I think the Baltimore Ravens are going to win this game. Um, I think uh, definitely – uh, they have not only Lamar Jackson, but they have incredible runners in their backfield as well with J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram um, and Jill Gus Edwards. And I think they have one more running back back there too. Um, not sure what his name is, but they have a lot of talent in the back. Plus Marquise Brown can always come out of um, the backfield as well on jet sweeps, things like that. Um, I think they keep it short. They keep the play call limited in terms of risk. Um, I think the Ravens are going to win. All right. Um, now let's get to Sunday's games. Um, the Browns and the Chiefs. This will be the 3 p.m. game on Sunday. 
Uh, I'm going to go first on this one. I, I think, and I'm going to, I'm just going to say it. I think the Browns are going to upset the chiefs. People are going to call me crazy, you know, whatever, but I have a feeling that the Browns are going to upset the chiefs. Look, the chiefs are well-rested for, for sure. They're well-rested. They got everything under control. However, Patrick Mahomes hasn't played in almost two weeks now. He didn't play the he didn't play the final game and he hasn't played last game. So I'm pretty sure there's gonna be some rust there. Um, secondly, I think the Browns offense is very unique where they have two, I mean, I would say they have two like tier one running backs. Like tier one running backs, I would like like I think Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb are both top 10 running backs easily in the league. Okay. Let's add on to that with the outstanding quarterback and the passing game that they have, right? Their offense is amazing. And with the chiefs, you just need an offense that can stick around with them because their defense is not that good. The chiefs defense is very good at just creating opportunities and turnovers. If Baker Mayfield can limit turnovers, limit opportunities, the Cleveland Browns have a straight shot at winning this game. And I really think, that the Cleveland Browns will win. I, uh, as much as I want to believe in the hype, I, I believe that Mahomes, although not playing for two weeks, this is pretty much that make it break it game for him. Now, hopefully, I don't believe that any other center will pull the same thing that the Pittsburgh Steelers center did in the very first play of the actual game. I personally don't believe that's actually going to happen. But what I do believe is that Mahomes was granted his contract. 10, 10 years, $503 million, um, guaranteed a $476 million. And you're looking at one, a guy who literally spreads his ball, like the ball around, to not just his running back, not just to himself, but to different guys, Tyreek Hill, uh, Demarcus Robinson, uh, Travis Kelsey, Nicole Hardman, and – I just think that also the Chiefs defense, that'll be one of the biggest questions. Will the Chiefs defense actually step up on this game? How are they going to impact the direction that the Browns offense goes? Because think about it. Browns actually have two quarterbacks on that field. One with Jarvis Landry, if I may add. Because Jarvis (laughs) Landry, he literally, if you guys remember that one play to Odell Beckham Jr. uh, for that big touchdown, he has an arm. He has an arm as a cannon. And they don't mind using him whenever necessary. So I believe it's going to be a lot of tricks pulled. It's going to be a super close game. I just think Chiefs are going to hold it down just because of the beginning of the season. It's a lot more for them to play versus the Browns. Browns have defied the odds. Now they could go all the way and skyrocket up to the Super Bowl if they want to, 100%. But I just believe that Kansas City is going to hold it down just because of their reputation and also just the preparation they have for this Cleveland Browns team. They have enough more time to prepare for this team. And I think one of the things we need to give credit to is the Cleveland Browns organization and Savansky, who literally provided Zoom calls for these guys. Like, they didn't have physical practices. These guys, let's, let's remember, these guys were quarantined within an area and literally had Zoom calls talking about, hey, what play are you running? What is your like? What is your role in running this play? So this actually might be a new platform for coaches to do if they don't want to have that physical practice. Have that time where people can actually analyze those plays coming into a Zoom call. So 
I just think that I give Browns a lot of props and respect for doing that, um, especially against a really tough Steelers defense um, who didn't even come up as tough. But overall, I just think that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to pull out and they're going to move on to the final four into the conference championship. Okay, so it seems like uh, seems like I'm kind of the tiebreaker here. So, uh, you know, just you know how we how we kind of talked about the college the college matchup between Mahomes and, and Mayfield here. Just uh, you know, both both of you guys kind of laid everything out, right? Just the, the the different styles of different different styles of play that each team has, and the different players. So, but but one thing to kind of keep in mind here with uh, with it here is both defenses are kind of you know. They're, they're subpar. They're, they're not. They're not bad, but they're not great at the same time. Yeah, Browns got really lucky with all the interceptions and turnovers last week against the Steelers. Do I think that's going to happen this week? No, but uh, there could be some slip ups. I mean, we we did see a game earlier against Miami where Mahomes did throw three interceptions in a game, so there there could be some some uh, some hiccups here and there, but. Mayfield's had terrible games as well. So it's really going to come down to the quarterback play and who has who has more weapons to actually, you know, give the ball, spread the ball out to. Alicia, and you did say that Mahomes does like to spread the ball around, but looking at the Browns, the, the, the Browns team itself, they actually have more weapons to actually spread the ball around too. They do have the two-headed, uh, two-headed uh, monster down at the running back position. Like you said, they have Landry who is their top receiver, but could also be a second quarterback on the field. They, they can they can run a whole lot of different trick plays. You have Rashad Higgins out there, Peoples-Jones out there. You have your three tight ends, one of them being a rookie in, in Harrison and Bryant. They're all out there. Uh, you know, they're, they're just all out there to prove that they belong. This is, this is the Browns team that we thought we were going to see last year when they brought in Odell, they brought in Chubb, Kareem Hunt, they 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 did everything they needed to do last year. That's the we're seeing that team this year of what we were supposed to see last year. And I really think that the Browns will actually upset Kansas City on this one. I, I'm I'm gonna go with Usset on that. I, I don't think it's gonna it, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a blowout or a, like a a shootout there rather. It's it's not gonna be a low scoring game. It's not gonna be in the in the 20s or or, or teens. It's it's going to be five or six touchdowns more on each on each side. It's it's kind of going to be like a, a replay of the Ravens and Browns game that we saw a couple of weeks ago, where the last team that gets the possession is going to be that last team that wins the game. And I think that will be the Browns and it'll be off of a touchdown. If it comes to field goals, obviously Kansas City is winning because they have the better kicker, but it's going to be the Browns there. On this you don't trust Cody Parkey? Of course not. Oh, who does? <laughs> <laughs> the, the entire Chicago Bears uh, city had their own auditions. Uh, to see who can kick a field goal better than Cody Parkey, and none rather, of them did well at all. I'd rather I'd rather go with the Georgia Tech alum and, and, and Harrison Butker if it came down to field goals. But I don't I think I would go with Billy Cundiff over Cody Parkey. I'm saying that. <laughs> hey, now. Cundiff was not a bad kicker. Okay, <laughs> Cundiff was a solid no, kicker. He was, but look, everybody still criticized him because of that one Baltimore Ravens kick that he had that could have led him into the Super Bowl. Hey, I'm look. still shocked. I saw Justin Tucker miss a field goal last week. I didn't even know oh what the hell that God. was. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he did. It was a 52 yarder, but he ended up with a 51 yarder, though. I will say that. Yeah. Well, let me let's see how let's see how that goes. All right, the last game which I'm going to call the retirement bowl. 
(laughs) (laughs) You have on one side a 43-year-old Tom Brady up against a 41-year-old Drew Brees. Now, this is not a fight where it's quarterback versus quarterback, but Buccaneers and Saints, NFC South matchup, round three. Saints have taken the first two. It's very difficult to beat a team three games in a season. But I am still going to take the New Orleans Saints. I think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers got exposed last week. That defense is not perfect whatsoever. That defense started off really good, and they do have a solid defense, no doubt. But, man, have you seen the Saints' defense? It's absolutely, like, like, it's destructive. Like, that defense, if they get pressure on – sorry, when they get pressure on Tom Brady, will collapse him. I mean, Tom Brady under pressure, we know, does not play well. Tom Brady, once he gets, once the passes, uh, the pass rush gets to him, he starts throwing picks. It doesn't start working out, right? His receivers are really going to need to step up this week. His weapons, I mean, he has no excuses. He has every, he has three Pro Bowl wide receivers, in my opinion. Three Pro Bowl wide receivers. He has two outstanding tight ends, right? He has one Hall of Fame tight end and one, you know, probably potential, you know, Pro Bowl tight end. He has, you know, he has a good backfield too with RJ and, uh, um and Leonard Fournette I mean outstanding backfield they've drafted him an offensive line and built an offensive line for him I mean offensively they're hard to beat but the Saints defense is just so it 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 just takes the life out of you I'm going to go with the Saints just because their defense is that great and I believe their offense will just do their job um because that's what they're they come in with a game plan they execute it and they get the ball they get the game done um and I do believe I think I need to make this comment. Tom Brady coming into the NFC. I would love to see a Brady Rogers NFC championship game, but for the past decade, the NFC has been denied this, a Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees NFC championship game. We have not seen a saints and Packers playoff game in over in the past 10 years where Brees and Rogers have been the two top quarterbacks in the NFC. We've seen many uh, uh, Manning and uh, Brady games. We've seen many Roethlisberger and Brady games. We've seen many uh, Roethlisberger and Manning games, but we have not seen one Breeze and Rogers game. And this time I really want to see one. So I'm going to go, not just because I want to see one, but I'm going to go with the Saints because I think their defense is outstanding. And Tampa Bay definitely has a lot of holes to cover um, in in their game. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely gonna piggyback uh, off off of you there. I said I know we were actually talking about this earlier or earlier this week here, and uh, NFL officials, you're hearing it. Asad Babadi is requesting that you actually help the Saints in the playoffs this time. Do not Please. screw them out of a good game, a good matchup. There, it feels like every time the Saints are in this position, there's always something that happens. Either the miracle that Diggs did with the Vikings or the the Rams that, and this is coming from a Rams fan, that that pass interference or holding play, whatever it should have been, that gave those helmet to helmet pass interference, it, roughing. It, the, it was yeah, it, 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 was, it was about four was penalties. Everything. Then they avoided all of them, and, and they never called a penalty, and that led and that led to the Rams going to the Super Bowl and getting shellacked by Brady. Yeah, I mean, I would have right, loved to right. see Breeze beat Brady in the Super Bowl, but right, right yeah, I would have, I would have loved to see that matchup there uh, myself as well. But, uh, you know, just, you know, how I said you, you kind of reiterated there. The Saints have already have Brady's number this year. They've already beat him twice in, in both their matchups this year. 
they're going to play again in New Orleans. Uh, I know it's a dome, so weather's not going to really make a difference there. But just being, just having that home, that home, that home feeling there, and just knowing that, just just seeing that Breeze is back. They they purposely made Michael Michael Thomas sit the last two three games of the season to get himself healthy, to get himself back. And we saw what he did in Chicago. We saw the nice touchdown that he had. We saw the small the small yards that they got. Alvin Kamara. We've seen him go off with five, what five, six touchdowns in one game this season. I mean, it's that the Tampa's the Tampa does have a, a have have a decent running uh, run uh, run defense, but uh, I, it's going to be hard to try to stop Alvin Kamara, and then also try to stop Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, uh, Dewan De- Harris, and uh, the even even Jared Cook at that point. I mean, you even have Taysom Hill out there as well, right? Like you can. He's played 20 plus snaps at each offensive position in terms of running back, tight end, receiver, and quarterback. That you don't know when he's in the game, what position he's even going to be playing. He can be lined up with Breeze and and be there as a running back or just as a blocker. You don't even know what Taysom Hill is on the on the field for at that point. So it's it's going to be definitely going to be be interesting to see how how Tampa Bay tries to overcome it I do think it may be closer than the last couple of games that we've seen I, I, I think the Saints have really had the Bucks numbers this year I think it will be a little closer than, than what we've seen I just don't think it's going to be big enough especially if if uh, Mike Evans is still kind of banged up it may kind of pull them back a little bit there I think uh and I gotta agree with both of you guys New Orleans has the most benefit uh, coming into this game, and I feel like they have they're the favorites to win it. I think my two main things that are going to really impact this game, the first is Taysom Hill, and Raheem, you literally nailed it on there. Taysom Hill has been a force to reckon with, and we can see that he's not just a runner; he's a he's a passer, he's a defender, he's anything that you can get out of him. He can be that guy. I think he's going to be the wild card for that Saints team, especially taking on a Buccaneers team that's going to try to beat out Drew Brees that's going to try to that's going to try to attack Alvin Kamara that's going to try to guard Michael Thomas and Jared Cook and all these other players so I believe Taysom Hill is going to be that one guy that Drew Brees is going to rely on to really take him to that championship and I think the second thing in my head is that Buccaneers have so much that they 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 have so much on the line you literally got out the probably one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Let's, let's, let's just say Tom Brady, probably one of the best quarterbacks of all time. You get him, you sign Antonio Brown to a one-year deal. You get Leonard Fournette, you get all these other players on your team. You get Rob Gronkowski. Like you get all these players on your team. If Buccaneers lose all that work that you put on for that team, gets shut down. Like it literally gets shut down. And where do you go from there? That's, that's the thing. You have all these one-year contracts you signed to all these players that couldn't get you into a championship game, and now you're literally looking at, like, holes. I think another thing that I'm looking into is who is Marshawn Lattimore going to guard? Are you guarding Antonio Brown? Are you guarding Mike Evans? Are you guarding Chris Godwin? Because, like I said, I mentioned, all three of them are Pro Bowl caliber receivers. They all three have shown to be the best when they want to play. When Chris Godwin was literally running it with Jameis Winston, literally he was killing it. He was killing it as one of the top receivers. Mike Evans, he's shown that he can be that receiver, that yes, he's inconsistent. 
but he does have his games where he has over 130 yard catching uh, receiving yards. And then let's not forget Antonio Brown, his stints with his stint, especially with the Pittsburgh Steelers and what he's done with Ben Roethlisberger and just the impact that he's done to that Pittsburgh Steelers organization with Mike Tomlin. So I believe personally that a lot is on the line for the Buccaneers, but I personally feel like that the New Orleans Saints are going to shut them down and we're hopefully going to see a Breeze and Rodgers conference championship. That's the, that's the plan. Once in a lifetime, I said, once yeah. in a lifetime. I just got to see it once in my life. That's all I'm asking for. And I don't think Breeze is going to play any more years. So I really want to see it this year. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's either it's it's either we get we get uh, we get Breeze and Breeze and Rogers for the once in a lifetime, or we get we get Rogers and Brady. Wow, and, no and no then, faith then, in the Rams, no faith in the Rams. <laughs> coming coming from a Rams fan, <laughs> <laughs> or we get or we get Rogers and Brady and Tampa. You know, just just kind of adding on to Brady's legacy of being the goat with the six titles, Tampa being the first team to. Host a or play in a Super Bowl in the host. Yeah, season. let's hope it doesn't okay. get to that. Right. Let's hope it doesn't go there. Let's hope it ends this week. But uh. yeah, no, definitely. I think um, either way, we're either in for uh, we're going to be in for a great showdown for the conference championship weekend as well. Um, with that, uh, thank you guys so much for the show tonight. Uh, thank you all for listening, uh, Raheem. Thank you for joining our podcast. Um, it's great to have a trio now. Um, I think we're going to be doing this at least consistently until the Super Bowl. And then after that, once the, once the Super Bowl is over, we're, we're going to figure out our schedules. But at least for the next couple of weeks, we're going to try to do this uh, and launch it at the Super Bowl. Um, and yeah, so just stay tuned. Uh, follow us on the Ballerverse podcast on Instagram, on Twitter. Um, we're going to be trying to post a little bit as much as we can. We may even post some snippets of this podcast um, as, uh, on the videos. So please stay tuned. Um, please, We'd love to see your comments and feedback. Um, and see y'all next week. And that is a wrap in three, two, one.